Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, visit this place, download into our hearts and minds the information we would have this morning that transformation in our lives would begin and we would be conformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, for it's in His name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, CTR family. Glad to see you're awake. I'm sure the cold has enlivened you this morning and made you ready to go, right? And if you're visiting us for the first time, we're in the middle of a six-week sermon series right now. We're talking about how to get connected to Christ the Redeemer in 2019. As you can see on the screen behind me, we're focusing on three things. We're focusing on worship, we're focusing on life groups, and we're focusing on mission and ministry engagement. So all of our messages are recorded and you can find them on the website. You can go back and listen to the first four. We're four deep into the message right now, two on worship and two on life groups. And in the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about mission and ministry. But this morning, we're taking just a brief time out from the sermon series, if you will. And we're taking a time out because yesterday was our 14th annual men's conference And our gospel reading this morning reinforces what we're doing at the men's conference. So I wanted to share with you you this morning some things that were sown into our heart. And I want to say this up front, especially to the ladies. Ladies, I'm actually speaking to you this morning. But I'm speaking to you through the men. Let the reader understand because there were some important things that were said yesterday and that are being said in the gospel this morning that I think will help us all to see what Jesus has in mind for us. Somewhat like the reading from Luke's gospel today, where we're told that the crowds were pressed in to hear the Word of God, I'm delighted to tell you that yesterday there were 175 men pressed in at the conference to hear the Word of God, and I hope in the same way this morning that we are all now pressing in to hear the Word of God. And if we track the narrative of this morning's reading, on one level, on a very surface level that is, it seems pretty simple. Jesus calls Peter to Himself. And then Jesus tells Peter to bring other men to himself. And again, on the surface, that sounds pretty simple. I suspect we do something like this in our businesses all the time, right? We call it networking. Maybe we call it schmoozing. I don't know if that term is still around in the business world. Palm pressing, those kinds of things. But there's one critical difference here. Jesus is not a CEO who's setting up a company. Jesus is a king, and he's come to establish a kingdom. So this is where the story starts to look a little bit different. Now, I don't know much about kings and kingdoms. You don't have to know much about kingdom, king, kings and kingdoms to understand this, that a king sets out to conquer And when a king sets out to conquer, when he does, wars will be waged, battles will be fought, and victories will be won. And in today's gospel, Jesus strikes the first blow. Simon put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I wonder, don't you wonder what it would be like to be Simon in that moment? 
That is, if you had spent the better part of your life building your business, and if you were holding a meeting in front of your associates, and some guy walked into your office and said to you, hey, why don't you try it this way? Why don't you do what I'm telling you to do? As we say in Texas, them there sounds like fighting words, don't they? And there stood Simon Peter, right in front of his friends, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in a sense being dressed down by this carpenter from the very inland town of Nazareth. What in the world did he know about fishing? And Peter, being a professional fisherman and being the man's man that he is, he's not going to take that lying down. So he pushes back a little bit. Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Now let me translate that for us into man talk. You want to go? You sure you want to do this right here, right now, Jesus, in front of all of these people? But then Peter concedes. He concedes. And he says, because you say so, I will. Peter had seen just enough of Jesus to know that maybe something greater was going on here. And I can only imagine what might have happened next. As Simon Peter let down those nets, and as this large number of fish began to fill the boat. Now these weren't small boats. These, these boats were about 30 feet, and they were broad, and they were wide, and there was clearly more than one of them in the text. The nets began to break, and the boats began to sink. I can only imagine what must have been going through Peter's mind. In my mind, I think maybe it was something like what happened to me when I was a teenager. It may not surprise you to know that I didn't major in the natural sciences. Biology, chemistry, and physics was right out. But my dad was a mechanical engineer. And when I was taking physics, I just didn't get it. So I would take my physics problems that I had tried hard to work. Most nights I couldn't do it. And there dad was in his mustard color recliner. (laughs) Come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? There he was in his bedroom in his mustard colored recliner. And I I would give him the problem and I would stand there and I would watch him work. As he worked those physics problems, he would teach me lessons along the way about how to work the problems. And more often than not, more often than not, true story, the most curious thing would happen to me. More often than not, I would find myself having to to fight off laughter. I would find myself having to fight off laughter. Why? Because on the one hand, it was so beautiful to watch him work. It really was. To see this mechanical engineer solve these physics problems, to me it was something like listening to this incredible symphony. It was brilliant. It brings me to tears to think about it now. But on the other hand, I think I laughed. I think I laughed a little bit because that was the best coping mechanism I had for feeling embarrassment. Embarrassment that I couldn't do it. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't solve it on my own. It, it struck my manhood, right? 
Ladies, let me tell you a secret. If you never knew this before, there's one thing we men absolutely hate. We absolutely hate to be embarrassed. We absolutely hate to be embarrassed and we especially hate it if it happens in front of our friends and especially if we think we've been bested at something. And maybe, just maybe, Peter felt just a little bit like that. Because the Bible says that when Simon Peter saw this, when he experienced the multitudes of fish filling the boat to the point where it was sinking, Peter said, depart from me. In fact, he didn't just say that. He knelt down in front of Jesus and he cried out, depart from me, Lord. Go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Now, men... Let me let you in on an even deeper secret, which you probably already know. I think for many men, this is exactly where we get in trouble with God. I think for many men, this is exactly why we can tend to stay away from God. Because we're simply afraid of what might happen if we were to actually come face to face with Him in an up-close and personal encounter in the way Jesus was having with Peter. Isn't that why so many men stay away from church? Isn't that why so many men are embarrassed to talk about God? Because we think we will made to feel ashamed and embarrassed if we do. And if you don't believe me, let's remember the story of the Garden of Eden. You remember? And the Lord God was walking in the cool of the afternoon, walking in the garden. And he's looking for Adam. Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? When he finds him, he's hiding in the trees. Why? What does he say? I was afraid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? I was afraid. I was afraid, God, of what you might do to me because I was naked. Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Depart from me, Lord. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And so he hid himself. Christopher West was the keynote speaker at our men's conference yesterday. He's truly one of the most gifted speakers I've ever heard. And this is how he began his very first talk on Saturday morning. He said that the key for us to understanding reality, the key that unlocks the door of knowledge, is realizing that original sin is an all-out attack on fatherhood. Let that sit for just a minute. That original sin is an all-out attack on fatherhood. If original sin can take us away from our heavenly father, is what he's saying, then, then our earthly distort image of fatherhood becomes that much more distorted. And then he said this, and the result is an all-out war between castration and domination. That the heart of the unregenerate man, the heart of the fallen man, the heart of the sinful man is forever seeking domination and power. And when society is finally fed up with it, the castration of man begins. And is that not exactly what we're experiencing right now in our very American culture today? And isn't that most men's fear when they think about God? 
that because they feel caught between domination and emasculation out there, they fear that God's going to treat them exactly the same way when they come in here. And we've got to destroy that with the good news of the gospel. Here's the thing. And here's where we have to look very carefully at the text. Because this is where the good news of the gospel meets us. Peter says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. What does Jesus say? You're right. Get out. It's not what He says, is it? And I don't know exactly what happened next. One of two things I suspect could have happened. Peter's kneeling down before Jesus' feet. And perhaps Jesus knelt down with him. Maybe Jesus knelt down with him. And or maybe Jesus invited Peter to stand up upright and look him in the eye. But either way, this is what Jesus did say. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for men. That's the good news of the Gospel. Guys, let me speak to our hearts directly for just a moment. Because here's what we need to know about the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who has a plan for us. Jesus did not come to rebuke Peter. He came to restore him. He didn't come to steal Peter's identity. He came to establish it. And He didn't come to embarrass him. He came to equip him. He came to equip him. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. You see... This I know about my dad. When I would go in to his study, and he would be reclining in his very mustard-colored recliner, and I would present him my problem, he wasn't there to embarrass me. He wasn't there to shame me. He wasn't there to make me feel bad about myself. He was there to help me. He was there to download new things into my life that would help me get it right so that I could succeed, so that I could prosper. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing with Peter. And here's the real thing. I was the one. I was the one who had to get past my own sense of embarrassment about what was going on. And in a world that is literally hell-bent on tearing itself apart and waging this destructive war between domination and emasculation, Jesus offers us another way. It is the way of redemption and it is the way of dominion. Where wars will be waged and battles will be fought, but they are not against flesh and blood. They are against the principalities and the powers of this dark and present age. Christopher West said it this way. He said the way of castration and domination are not the only two alternatives. There is a third. It's the way of regeneration. It's the way of liberation. It's the way of restoration. It's the way of rejuvenation. In a world that has waged war against fatherhood, the reason that Jesus became a man is to restore our image of our Heavenly Father. And He is good. God is good? All the time. We've done this before. God is good and all the time because that's His nature. That's His nature. And here's what it requires. 
the king in establishing his kingdom. It requires the God-man to call men who will call other men. The God-man calls men who will call other men. That's the narrative of this morning's gospel. Bishop N.T. Wright said it this way. Our own Anglican bishop, I loved his commentary. In the Gospel of Luke, he sums it up nicely. He said, this is the kind of story that it helps for us to get inside. To become Peter for just a few moments and ponder what it is that we're doing in our daily life. And then imagine Jesus. Jesus breaks into your world. You feel a little bit like he's bossing you around. He's telling you to do things things that seem like an utter waste of time and effort. He's messing in your business that you think you know good and well how to do. Maybe he's even calling you out, but then you give in. Just a little. Just enough. Maybe you're not even sure that you're really serious. Maybe you're even grumbling under your breath. Maybe you even think you're going to show him a thing or two. Until in one miraculous moment, he says, everything clicks. And suddenly it succeeds on a scale that you never thought possible. And there you are, standing in a boat full of fish, so full that it feels like it might even pull you under. That's a metaphor for the supernatural life of grace that God has in mind for us. Isn't it an image of baptism where we die to the old self and we're raised up out of the waters of baptism infused by the Spirit for this new life that God has called us to, to go and make disciples of all nations. This is why Paul writes these glorious words in Romans chapter 8. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, final word. Very much indeed, my brothers and sisters, very much indeed the divine call of God does invite us to kneel before Him, to bow down in humble adoration of this King of kings and Lord of lords. But then again, isn't that exactly what it looks like to be knighted and to be placed into service and to fight the good fight that God has called us to fight. So Bishop N.T. Wright concludes this way. He says, Suddenly, like Peter, you find that you have no choice because if this man is not worth following, if this man is not worth following, then nobody is.